Welcome to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast, where the cross and the culture are on a collision course for discussion. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require signs, the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. Under the Jews a stumbling block, under the Greeks foolishness, but under them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Now, here's your host, Thomas Irvin. All right. Good morning. Welcome, everybody. Brother Nathan's tearing stuff up. Welcome back. Those of you that were in Sunday school, I apologize if your brains are smoking. It was a lot of information, and we still only got to a fraction of it. Is uh, somebody coming in the door? All right, so just a few announcements this morning. Uh, we've got some people having some um, in need of prayer, having a few issues. Miss Anita is in pain this morning. Um, could use your prayer. Uh, Miss Pat, uh, she's developed a bad cough and, and cold, and so she's taking some medicine and staying home. And Miss Pookie, um, her husband, came down with COVID-19, so... Um, they could really use your prayer this morning. Uh, continue to pray for Jacob Rutledge. Uh, I haven't talked to him to see how it went with his church. When he, if he told them the, I don't know, would that be good news? If you, Jacob Rutledge, moving to pastor another church. If you were the home church, I don't know how that, <laughs> by the way, I'm leaving and you need to find a new pastor. <laughs> so, well, praise the Lord. <laughs> so, no, I, I don't know how he'll handle that. He may help with that or facilitate that or uh, I, I don't know how that'll go for them. But uh, continue to pray for both the church, both, both churches and him and his family um, as they make that big transition. They should, he should be here with us uh, May 5th. And uh, just remember when he's here, he's, he's big time Rutledge. That's, that's his name. He's a big time preacher now. So you got to, are you raising your, do you need something? Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. He's been communicating with me. I didn't know they were, I know that they were in that process. I know they were coming home in, in a few days. So. Uh, pray about that. So what, it, it's bleeding just nonstop? All right, so we'll, we'll make sure you keep her in prayer and make sure you stay on, we stay on top of that and let us know what's going on with that. Um, Saturday, yesterday was a beautiful day out on the street corner. It was 
nice, and past few few weeks have been freezing cold. We have been suffering for Jesus standing on the on the street corner. <laughs> it's been painfully cold, uh, but yesterday was beautiful. Today is a beautiful day, so praise the Lord. Uh, church invitations are in. They are on the back counter. Uh, they look like this. It says Go Forth Baptist Church on the front, and then on the back has information about our church. And it's just a basic invitation to try and get people to come uh, if they're interested in these things. If you're not interested in um, worshiping Jesus Christ or Bible preaching from the King James Bible or old hymns of the faith or fellowship with God's people, then this is not the place. If you need a rodeo or a pizza party or dancing girls, or well, we just don't have any of that. Uh, sorry. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. Uh, okay. praying for him. Uh, church workday, March 30th. Mark Waddington, 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 Waddington. Be interesting to hear how he says that with his accent. <laughs> we'll be here March 24th. Um, lights and toilets will be fixed by early March, I hope, Lord willing. And then um, uh, just continue to pray for us as my wife grows a new baby in her belly and as we try and find a home in a market where there are no homes for sale. Since Wednesday, there's one new house for sale, and it's way out of our price range. So I'll tell you, when we first started looking in Uganda, there was uh, two or three new houses every day. In the past maybe three weeks or so, there's been one, one new house just about every three or four weeks in the past couple of months. So the market has just come to a screeching halt. Uh, people, everybody got all excited and they thought they could sell their $200,000 house for $400,000 and everybody wanted to try, like, let's, let's see if we can do that. And then now it's not, now interest rates have gone up, prices are coming down, people are being hit with reality and they're like, well, maybe we'll just stay where we are for a little while. <laughs> Nobody wants to sell their house. So, but that's okay. The Lord's given us a good place to stay in between. So we're not in a rush or in a hurry. It's just interesting how these things go. Uh, thanks to our half-dead president, um, it, it just just how it is at the moment. Did you need something? All right. Okay. Good singing. Um, one announcement I forgot to mention, just to uh, prepare you for it and get the idea in your head. Um, probably in April, I am going to start teaching a class on Monday nights. And um, as you saw this morning, we tried to go through Matthew 13, which was 58 verses in... <laughs> About 40 minutes, and uh, 58 very complex verses with a lot of in-depth information um, that we just couldn't get to. There's just no way. And even with uh, dealing with the, the book of, 
uh, Romans, which if you, you have a Bible, you can turn to Romans chapter 1. That's where we'll start this morning. Um, you know, sometimes they're, they're, you're limited by time and, and what you can teach and, and the space of time that we have. And um, that's why we're able to go a little slower with Romans and, and break it down into smaller portions to look at. Um, but what I plan to do is to start teaching more in-depth ideas on a, in a Monday night class. And so that will start in April. It'll probably go uh, each Monday night for about two hours for about three months. And then we'll take three months off and then we'll do it again for three months and then take three months off and, and do it in that kind of cycle and rotation. So anybody that would like to come, you are welcome to come. Anybody who doesn't want to come, like I always say, we'll just talk about you when you're not there. I didn't say if it'd be good or bad. I mean, it might be good. Right, Miss Hazel? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, so just, just so you have that in mind, that, that is in the plans for the very near future for anyone who is interested. I could add a test. That'd be fun. Anybody like to take a test? My first Bible school test in our, in our Bible school down in Deland, it was, the first test was 100 questions. The first question was give 15 arguments for eternal security and provide a Bible, a Bible verse for each argument. And that's question number one. <laughs> no, you couldn't use the Bible. Uh, so if you could use the Bible, the test was going to be far more difficult. Uh, when pe- people would get all excited, oh, we can use the book, we can use the Bible, that was not a good thing in our Bible school. That, that meant it was going to be so hard. It was, you were probably going to be there six or seven hours doing, um, you know, it, it, it was complex. So, um, so that'd be fun to do, right? Yeah, <laughs> only, only Brother Nathan is saying yes. <laughs> Amen. All right. Well, Romans chapter 1, let's read verses 16 and 17 together. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just, the just shall live by faith. Let's pray. Father, we sure love you. Thank you so much for loving us and Thank you for this book. Thank you for all it teaches us. Thank you for how exciting it is to learn and to study and to teach and to preach. And, and Lord, that it can affect our lives if, if we will allow it, if we will receive it. And uh, Lord, if, I just pray you'd help us all here today. Let, let this sink deep into our hearts and into our minds. Lord, clear out any distractions that might be in our heads and uh, help us to have a good Sunday morning in which you're honored and you're glorified and Jesus Christ is high and lifted up and we'll sure thank you for it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, we're going to focus on something today um, that, that honestly we could spend a lot of time on. Um, it, it's something that is basic. It's fundamental. But because it's so basic and fundamental, it's often overlooked. I, I, I believe it's probably not presented uh, well or properly or enough. I think it's one of the, it's an idea that we just take for granted. And it's that beautiful word in the middle of verse 16, salvation. And when you hear that word, lots of ideas uh, come to mind. And what, depending on whether you grew up in church or not, you have a, 
you are preconditioned to think about this word a certain way. And of course, it's used many different ways in the Bible. And we're not going to look at all the different ways today. Our focus is going to be in the context in which it's used here. And that context is the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The salvation of your soul is what this is talking about, what this is building up to. And, and, and as we've mentioned before, these two verses work together to literally set the foundation for the rest of the New Testament. These two, everything hinges off these two verses. If you're not saved, if you don't have salvation, if you haven't trusted in the gospel of Jesus Christ and received the power of God unto salvation, then the rest of the Bible doesn't mean anything to you. There's no reason for you to even look at it. It's not going to help you. It's not going to change anything. It's not, it might be some, there may be some nice, pretty, flowery words there. The Bible is, in terms of literature, is an incredible book. And so if you like literature, sure, go for it. Read it. But if you haven't trusted in the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the intent of those words, as meant by God himself, will mean absolutely nothing to you. It'll just be some nice writings and a nice book. And that's not what this should be to you. It's not another dead book. It's the living word of God. And it's, it's structured in a very meticulous manner. And it's very important to follow that structure as best you can. It all starts with the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you fail to get that, well, then when you get to homosexuality in Romans 1, what are you going to do? Are you going to go out and see what the world has to say about it? Because they have some ideas about it. Are you going to go and see what the conservatives say versus the, the liberals? Because all it is is a bunch of opinions against a bunch of opinions. Unless God spoke on the issue. And if you haven't trusted in Jesus Christ, you don't care what God has to say about the issue. It's just a political problem. And it's not a political problem. It's a spiritual problem. And because people have failed to get the spiritual solution, Jesus Christ, they enter into political arguments, which go nowhere. It's going nowhere fast, because now you have homosexuals in the Republican Party. You have Donald Trump meeting with the conservative homosexuals. What is that? <laughs> what are they conserving exactly? What long heritage of, of, of marriage are they trying to preserve? They don't have one. They just think a little more conservatively and want to join the conservative party. This, there's a big difference between approaching the ideas that we're going to see in this book. How are you going to handle adultery and fornication? How are you going to handle alcohol? You know what the Bible says about alcohol? Well, I don't care what the Bible says about alcohol. I like to drink. That tells me a lot. You skipped the two important verses. You didn't look at what God had to say about the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You paid no attention to the salvation of your soul, which would then seal you with the Holy Spirit and enlighten you to the Word of God. Instead, it's just a bunch of words that you can have an opinion about. And that's not what this book is. That is completely contrary to what this book is. This is a book of submission. You don't read this book and say, well, what do I think about that? What, what does you know, this conservative and that liberal say about these things? Let's, let's gather the ideas and come to a consensus. No, that's not what this is. Thus saith the Lord. 
and it's final. We don't have to call a meeting together and say, well, how are we going to decide on how to handle the the homosexual issue? No, what I'm going to do is open the book and tell you what God said, and that's how we're going to handle it. What do we do if a family comes in and their, their beautiful, sweet daughter gets caught up in fornication? Well, we open the Bible and we see what God said about that. God said, remove the fornicator from the church. But she's so sweet and so beautiful. Yeah, that's what got her into this. That's the problem. <laughs> that, that, it's not a discussion. And, and, but that's the, that's the issue that we have in churches. Everybody thinks that they should be able to speak up and give their opinion. And that's not, that's not how a church is supposed to operate. This is not a democracy. This is not a republic. I thank God I live in a republic. Well, it, it used to be a republic. It's, whatever it is today, it's, it's kind of a broken image of a republic slash democracy. Who knows what it is today? It's still, it's still better than most of the world, and I'm thankful for that. But that's not the church. The church is ruled by its head, Jesus Christ, and the word of God. That's our foundation. And it's my responsibility as a pastor not to rule, but to, but, to, but to push the word of God. And to make very clear, when something comes up, when something happens, this is how we're going to do things. But if you haven't visited Romans 1, 16 and 17, and we get into that type of confrontation or have to deal with that type of issue, you're going to say, well, my opinion is, and to which I have to say, yeah, but, but you're supposed to be saved. You are supposed to have trusted in the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You're you're not supposed to be. The Bible says, lean not unto thine own understanding. You're not supposed to be doing that. We're not supposed to be having a battle in a church, a Bible-believing church, over this person's opinion versus that person's opinion because we have the Word of God to rely on. And as saved people, we're going to do that. But if you haven't been there, you haven't come to the cross and trusted in Jesus Christ, you're going to struggle. You're going to want to fight and devour and bite and go against each other and become divisive. Our unity begins right here in this passage. And if we can't, get, if we can't come together right here, there's no reason to move to the next verse. You need to shut the building down, sell the property, move on, and find something else to do. Find a country club to hang out at where you can go and voice your opinion. There's nobody there cares about the Word of God. This is not a, this is not a hangout. We're here because we want, to, we want to honor and glorify Jesus Christ together. That's our purpose here. That's our purpose for following this book. And it's the only way to do that. And the way that starts in your life as an individual is for you to first trust in the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if you don't do that, you do not have access to the power of God that will save your soul. There's no other way for you to be saved. The Bible is so abundantly clear about that fact, about that reality, that if you try and come some other way, you're a thief and a robber, and you're not going to make it. There is no other way. There's no other option. That's not me saying that. That's not my opinion. That is the, that is the definitive conclusion of the Word of God. And, and since it's God who's going to let you in or deny your entrance, you might want to find out what he has to say about going there. 
Because we ask people all the time, you're going to go to heaven when you die? Oh, yeah, I'm going to heaven. Oh, good. How are you getting there? Well, I'm a, I'm a, I believe you just got to be a good person. Well, that's, that's a bit of a problem because God said there's none good. <laughs> so how can you be what God said doesn't exist? It's not an option for you to be a good person. There's none that doeth good. No, not one. Yeah, but me. No, no not one. There's not a single person that has done good but God. So being a good person is not the answer. You're not a good person. What you think is, yeah, but my neighbor kicked his dog in the face. I don't do that. I'm better than that, so I'm going to heaven. People think that as long as I'm better than the bad people in my environment, surely God's going to, I'm going to breeze right through those pearly gates right into heaven. And that's not how it works. You're supposed to compare yourself to Jesus Christ. And all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You fail. Compared to Hitler, man, I am. <laughs> I mean, what's the problem? I haven't killed six million people in a gas chamber. I'm doing great. But compared to Jesus Christ, well, oh, <laughs> that's what you meant. I'm doing horrible. I need God's help. I need a savior. Jesus Christ is that only savior. His his substitutionary death for your sin, his burial and his resurrection, God said, either you're going to trust in that or I'm going to cast you straight into hell. Don't come to me with something else. It's my only offer. Yeah, but Lord, look what I've done in thy name. Depart from me. I never knew you. There will be weeping, wailing, and gnashing of teeth. So this is the starting point. This is the launching point to the rest of the New Testament. We get through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and and, and we're, we're closing out the Old Testament and opening up the New Testament. It's being revealed. Christ dies on the cross. He's buried. He rises again. Then we get the book of Acts, and nobody knows what's going on. People are speaking in tongues and raising people from the dead and healing people and, and, and laying their hands on people and giving them the Holy Spirit, none of which has anything to do with us. <laughs> that was laying the foundation. They're trying to figure out what's going on. They're receiving the New Testament epistles, which would be instructive for us. And the very first epistle we get is Romans, and then we get, we get into Romans chapter 1. Paul says, hi, I'm, I'm Paul. I'm separated I want to minister to you. Our commonality is Jesus Christ. Now let me give you the instruction. It starts with Romans 1.16. You better trust in Jesus Christ for the salvation of your soul. And if you don't do that, you can't handle the things that we're about to get into. God is about to push your buttons. As we progress to these next few chapters, the first few are going to be great because it's lost people and creation being a witness and dealing with atheists. All that is fun because atheists are easy and fun to tear down and make fun of. God said the fool has said in his heart there is no God. That's fun. It's exciting. It's wonderful. But then the Lord's going to start getting into detail. And you're not going to be able to escape the detail. The detail is going to have your name written all over it. And if you haven't trusted in Jesus Christ, you're going to sit in that chair and squirm under the heat of what God has to say because you know 
Whether you want to admit it to us or not, God's talking about you. God's talking about your sin. And if you don't come to him to get that taken care of, you know you're going to lift up your eyes in hell being in torment. That is your future. Now, only you and the Lord Jesus Christ know whether you've gotten this resolved or not, whether you are saved or not. If you're not, you should not toy one more second with your soul. Raise your hand if you have a, a, you know, the date and time that you're going to die. Anybody? Just Bethany. (laughs) Thank you. You know you don't know. You know that you don't, you're not promised one more second on this planet. And if you don't know what's going to happen to your soul, you're toying with eternity. There is no coming back. There is no redo. You won't be reincarnated. You're not going to sit in purgatory for a couple thousand years while a Catholic priest tricks your family into giving them money to hopefully take a few years off of it. It's not going to happen. You will lift up your eyes in an eternal hell. And the only break you'll get from that torment is to stand before God in judgment. And then after judging you, he's going to cast you into the lake of fire, and that will be eternal. No coming back. It's over. Don't pass these two verses. Don't toy with your soul. And don't test God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. If he would put his own son through that on your behalf, what would he do to you if you reject that? People have this, this warped mentality about God as though he's this big teddy bear in the sky who's just, he's just so happy and okay with everything that everybody does, and it's not true. The Bible says that God is angry with the wicked every day. And though he, he loves you, He's going to have, he is righteous, he is just, he is merciful, he is gracious. Which one do you want to deal with? You could either receive the mercy and grace now, or you're going to receive the righteous judgment of God later. It's up to you. And so salvation is the key. Salvation doesn't exist unless Christ dies on that cross for our sins and is buried and rises again the third day. Without that, we have no hope. Ephesians Ephesians 2 said, As Gentiles, we were lost in the world without hope, stumbling in darkness. And then Christ died. And he, he broke down the middle wall of partition between us. And now he is the key to all of this, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It's for everybody. It's essential that we we make sure we do that. Look at Romans 5. Romans 5 is a special chapter to me because I I was reading Romans 5 when I got saved. In fact, I was reading the passages that we're about to read when I got saved. I was sitting in Saudi Arabia alone. Somebody had asked me a question about becoming a Christian that I couldn't escape and couldn't I knew the answer to, but couldn't understand why it didn't apply to me. A Muslim asked me, how do you become a Christian? I said, oh, it's easy. You trust in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
They said, oh, is that what you did? And I, it just, like a ton of bricks hit me in the face. Like, did, did I do that? I don't know. I have no idea. And so I went back home, you know, found my Bible in, in, in the house I was living in in Saudi Arabia, blew the dust off of it, began reading it and looking at it. And I would read, I would turn to this passage and read it over and over and over. And then end up listening to a sermon by, by Adrian Rogers online and, and, um, and he just made it so clear, so understandable, and I ended up trusting in Jesus Christ. But verses 6 through 11, let's read those together, then we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit and, and then close it out. Verse 6, knowing this, uh, wrong chapter, verse 6, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Do you, do you, do you understand the gravity of what that just said? The ungodly. Now, in the Bible, you have, you have sinners and you have the ungodly. Sinners, that's, that's the everyday average person. You're a sinner. You're going to go to hell. Right? There's, there's no escaping that if you don't trust in Jesus Christ. But if you're the ungodly, you have deliberately set yourself against God. You're not just a sinner. You hate God. And Christ died for them. Knowing they hate me, they can't stand me, they, are, they have set themselves against me, I'm going to go to the cross, I'm going to die for them. I'm just telling you, if it was me, <laughs> they might be in trouble. <laughs> there might be an elect. <laughs> no, I only died for these people. They're predestinated. <laughs> but... That's not what Jesus did. They hate my guts. They can't stand me. They grind their teeth. They hate me. And I died for them on the cross. I died a painful, horrendous death for them on the cross. Verse 7, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You see that. After I became a better person, then the Lord said, okay, now I'm ready to die for him. While we were yet sinners, while you were in the deepest, darkest, the, the, the worst place you've ever been in your life, Things that nobody else even knows about, secrets that only you have, and you know you did it, and you, and you, God saw it. And he still went to the cross and died for you. Whatever you got away with, whatever nobody knows, God saw it. And he still shed his blood for you on the cross. That's pretty amazing. In fact, it was that that took him to the cross. It was our sin. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe in him shall not perish. He died for the sins of the world. Yours, mine, everybody. He died on the cross, was buried, and rose again the third day. Verse, verse 9, much more then, as if that were not enough, 
Let's, let's compound, let's add more and more to this. By the way, if you look, look quickly at verse 1, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. All right, so what's going to happen here is the Lord, the Lord says you're justified by faith. If you stand in that justification, then you are cleared in my eyes. But that's not enough. And much more then, and not only so, and much more then, and not only so, the chapter is just going to progress for the next uh, around 11 verses about all the wonderful things that came along with that. It's not just that you get to escape hell, which would be pretty good. You get to go to heaven, but that's not it. Christ has given you an inheritance in heaven, but that's not all. You get to rule and reign with Christ. And that's not all. It just, it just keeps adding and adding and adding and all the wonderful things that come from Jesus Christ because you did nothing more than trust him. Why would you reject that? Why would anybody turn down that proposition? But millions and millions and millions do it every day. Some do it with great joy not knowing the consequences that are going to come from that. And there will be consequences. Some of them know the consequences. Some think it's funny. We're going to have a party in hell. Yeah. I tell you, once you call your friends together, let me light the house on fire and see how that party goes. Well, I don't want to do that. Yeah, you're an ignorant fool. You don't know what you're saying. You don't want to toy with God in that way. Much more than now, uh, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, here we go again, being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. It's not enough that Christ died, right? That, that a certain aspect of salvation is made available through his death. But it's his resurrection that gives us that future hope. If all he did was die, well, what's, what's impressive about that? That's like all the modern Bibles say that um, in Isaiah, when it's talking about the prophecy of, of Mary having a virgin birth, it says a young maiden had a child. Well, <laughs> well my wife is a young maiden who's about to have a third child. What's miraculous about that? That's not what it says. It says a virgin shall be with child. That's pretty notable. A young maiden being with child, what's notable about that? They're running around everywhere. (laughs) But a young maiden who is a virgin, who has conceived, that's a whole different matter. It's not enough that Christ died. Everybody's going to die. I've told you the story before. I met a guy on the street preaching the gospel to him. I asked him, you do you know what's going to happen to you when you die? When you die? He said, well, I'm not going to die. <laughs> and I laughed. Like, that's funny. So what do you think is going to happen? Oh, I'm not going to die. He was dead serious. He's not going to die. And I said, you are going to die. And he said, you can't tell me I'm going to die. I can tell you you're going to die. Everybody's going to die. You just, then he, he literally said to me, you just go around telling people they're going to die? I'm like, well, now that you say that, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I kind of. It's, it's sort of, as an ambassador of Jesus Christ, it is partially my duty to confront you with the fact you're going to die. What's going to happen to your soul? Well, I'm not going to die. Dude, 
Have you, did you escape the mental hospital? What happened here? I said, do you know anybody else that's not going to die? And he said, no. How did you become the only one who's not going to die? You know why people die? This chapter tells you. For as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. The reason you're going to die is because you're a sinner. If that man were to say he's not going to die, essentially what he's saying is sin has not corrupted his body. And that's not true. Everyone has sinned. Everyone's going to die. And your soul will either go to hell or it will go to heaven based on what you did with Jesus Christ. No other factor matters. He's the one that died. He's the one that was buried. He's the one that rose from the dead. Either you're going to trust that or you're left to fend for yourself and it's not going well for you. You know, our Calvinist friends like to talk about predestination. It, it, it is predetermined what's going to happen to you if you trust in Jesus Christ. And it is predetermined what's going to happen to you if you reject Jesus Christ. It is not predetermined that you will do one or the other. That's up to you. You reject Jesus Christ, you will lift up your eyes in hell being in torment, and that will be a final, eternal place where you spend the rest of eternity. You trust in Jesus Christ, he has prepared a place for you, and he's coming back to receive you unto himself for eternity. It's going to happen. One of those two is going to happen. Don't toy with a short game. Don't be short-sighted. You, you need to think of life in terms of eternity. We can't even get people to think five years down the road, much less into eternity. Everybody just blows everything today because there is no tomorrow, apparently. And that's, that, that's going to get you in serious trouble with God. That short-sighted thinking is going to get you, gonna, is, you're, gonna, you're in for a horrible, horrible, eternal surprise. And, and you just don't want to do that. Verse 11, not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Now, this passage, it lays out, there's something to salvation that I'm going to introduce you to. We might study it in the coming weeks, or we may wait till later. Salvation has three parts. You are saved. The moment you trust in Jesus Christ, you're saved. And then you are also being saved every day. God says your salvation is renewed every day. Every day you wake up, God renews your salvation every day. And then the Bible says you will be or shall be saved. This body we're in, it has not been redeemed yet. The payment is there. It will be redeemed. But right now you still live in a corrupt body of flesh. And you got to battle with it and fight with it and make it do what it's supposed to do on a daily basis until Jesus Christ shows up and, and makes this body like his body. And then the body will be, the, the, the shall be saved will be taken care of. And, and this passage lays it out 
very well. It, it, it tells you multiple times that you're saved, you're being saved, and you shall be saved. And, and those are literal realities when it comes to salvation. All hinging on whether you've trusted in Jesus Christ or not. If you haven't trusted in Jesus Christ, you're not saved, you're not being saved, and you will not be saved. It's not going to happen. Like, well, maybe in the end he'll just forgive me. No, it's not. It's not going to happen. Trust in him now. Behold, today is the day of salvation. Today. Not, well, give me a, you know, give me a few more. I need, I need to think about it. You think about it all you want. Just don't die. Well, I don't have any control over that. That's the point. <laughs> when, we used to go out street preaching in Orlando, and, and, and people would walk by, and I'd try to hand them a track, and they'd say, they'd say no, I don't want that. And I'd say, all right, don't die. And they would just look at me like, what? what do you mean? And some people would come back and talk and say, what do you mean by that? And we'd have a good conversation. Some people would get not very happy and use some colorful language as they continue down the street. And I just remind them, just, just don't die. It's, you don't want it right now, no problem. Just don't die before you want it. Well, I don't have control over that. I know. That's the point. Think about it. Stop. Come back. Let me tell you about Jesus. You need this desperately. Well, I don't want that. I'm good. No, you're not good. You're not good. We have a friend. I was doing that on the street. I would do it quite a bit. And she, she tried it. And uh, I would say it with this sarcastic tone to let them know. It's, it, it's to make them think and, and hopefully encourage them to come back and talk to me. Well, she tried it. They walked by. She handed somebody a track. And they said, no, I don't want that. And she said, don't die. <laughs> <laughs> had a whole different meaning <laughs> when you do it that way. And we're like, ah, that's, maybe not do that. Let's, <laughs> let's hold off on that. <laughs> and uh, she meant well, but it was, it, we talked about that for months. Look at 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. And we'll, we'll go back to, Romans 5, before we're, before we're done, and look at that a, a little bit more. But First John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. My little children, these things write unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Who would that exclude? Who would get left out if that's the case? Now, again, I, 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 I give Calvinists a hard time because it's so stupid. You know what they have to do when they read that passage? They have to say the whole world of the elect. And they literally say that. Or they'll say, well, the world in the Greek means, you know why people take you back to the Greek? Because they don't want to teach what the Bible God gave us says. So they have to try and dupe you with some Greek word that they don't know anything about. Well, in the Greek, you know what that word is in the Greek? Whole world. That's what it is. You're not going to go find that, oh, the King James translators, what were they thinking? The King James translators was the greatest assembly of linguistic scholars the world has ever seen. 
And you want me to take your opinion over 50 of the greatest linguistic scholars who love God and serve God and wanted to produce an accurate Bible? You want me to trust you over them and your Strong's Concordance? I don't think so. I don't think so. One, one of them was, was reading the Bible in he, a British man reading the Bible in Hebrew by the time he was three years old with understanding. I would take his opinion alone over yours. William Tyndale graduated Cambridge College when he was 13 years old as a linguist. And you want me to trust you and not him? No, it, it means the whole world. The reason you have to change it is because you have decided to agree with a doctrine that is contrary to the word of God. Christ died for everyone, not a select group of people, not your group of people, not your skin color, not your culture, not your country. He died for the sins of the entire world. And then after you trust in him, you still need him. And praise the Lord, you have an advocate with the Father. I had a horrible day. I made terrible mistakes. I can't believe I did what I did. You have an advocate with the Father. I sinned against God. I don't even think I'm saved. You have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ the righteous. That's your advocate. You're not messing this up. It's not in your hands to mess it up. It's all in the hands of Jesus Christ. You just have to trust him. That's your part. Trust him. Look at Galatians 2. Just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. He is trustworthy. Whatever it is you're struggling with, he can handle it. Galatians 2, verse 20. Verse 20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, when somebody is really good to you, it's hard not to love that person. It's hard not to be loyal to that person. Nobody has done more for you and made more available for you than Jesus Christ. Nobody gave more of themselves on your behalf than Jesus Christ. Trust him. Follow him. Do what he says. It's right. It will help you. It will work out the right way. You keep doing things your own way. And I, I, I mentioned in Sunday school, the way of the transgressor is hard. Why is my life so hard? Because you're a transgressor. <laughs> Stop that. Follow Jesus instead. And see how it goes. Do what the Lord says. Follow the Bible. Do what the Bible says. See how it goes. Well, I think I should do this. Yeah, but what does God think you should do in that situation? Do that. And it'll turn out completely different. I'm not telling you it'll solve your problems, but it will, it, it, that hardness that you keep beating your head against because of your terrible decisions and life choices will go away. 
Jesus said, you can either get in the boat with me and we can cross the Sea of Galilee and go through this horrible storm together. You with me, the one who can calm the storm or you, whichever one is out of control, Jesus can calm either one or you can get in that boat and cross the, 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 the Sea of Life on your own. I don't recommend doing it on your own. I have tried it. I know ample other people who have tried it. You're going to fail. Not only are you going to fail, then you're going to die, and you're going to lift up your eyes in hell because you chose to do it without Jesus Christ. Why would you do that? Don't do that. Run to Jesus. Come back to Romans 5, and then we'll, we'll close out here. We'll wrap it up here. Romans 5. And look at verse, verse 9, and we'll see this idea. Much more than being now justified by his blood. All right, now, do you, do you see the terminology? Being now justified. All right, the moment you trust in Jesus Christ, you are justified. It's done, right? But then look what the rest of the verse says. We shall be saved. So there is obviously something coming that we have not yet been saved from, but we will be. We shall be saved from the wrath of God. Now, there is a time coming when God is going to pour his wrath out on this, this planet, on earth. Everybody's trying to save the earth. God, I hate to tell them they're doing all this stuff to try and save the earth, making their own lives harder trying to save the earth. And in the end, God's going to use global warming to melt the earth and, and burn it down. Sorry. The Bible says that God himself is going to melt the elements with a fervent heat. So you're not going to do it before God does. He's going to do it. You're not supposed to be saving the planet. You're supposed to be saving souls. You're supposed to be concerned about people. And you're not. You're more concerned about a, a fuzzy cat than, than you are a, a baby in the womb. You're more concerned about a stupid rabbit than you are about a child, a dog. A dog, people, one time I was in Florida, people in Florida have lost their minds. They, they, they put animals, they, they elevate them highly. One time we were driving home from work, this she-male, I don't even know what it was. It was a woman that looked like a man, but it was hard to tell for sure which one it was. She's driving in the vehicle in front of me, and we're going around a sharp curve. We're both doing about 60, 70 miles per hour on a country highway, and she slams on the brakes in the middle of the curve. I couldn't stop in time. And so the only thing I could do is to either go off the road, which was a ditch, or into oncoming traffic. Praise the Lord, nobody was coming, but by the time my truck stopped, the front end of my truck was at the front end of her truck, which means if I had hit that truck, <laughs> both of us was probably going to go and meet God. You know what she was doing? Saving a turtle out of the road. You've lost your mind. Now, I don't want to run over a turtle. I also don't want to kill people trying to save a turtle. I mostly don't want to run over a turtle because I don't want to damage my truck. <laughs> I don't care about a stupid turtle. You believe in evolution. Why hasn't the turtle learned traffic laws? It should have evolved over time and learned how to handle these things. 
Sounds to me like he's the weakest and needs to go. And so you, you just, that, that, you're not supposed to be concerned about the world, the earth, animals. Be nice to animals. I'm not telling you to be mean to an animal. Animals are tools. They are food and they are tools. Get that ox out there and let him plow the field. That dog, either it better bark and keep people away or he's not welcome to my house. You keep people away, you scare people away, I'll feed you, I'll water you, I'll throw a ball for you every now and then, but you're not one of my children. In fact, you snarl at my children, you'll get a non-millimeter in your brain. (laughs) You're not supposed to have this inordinate affection towards something other than people. Jesus Christ shed his blood for people, for souls. And they shall be saved if they trust in him. They will be saved if they trust in him. Look at verse 11. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. There are these multiple aspects to salvation you, you, you are now saved. If you trusted in Jesus Christ, you can consider it done. It's sealed. It's over. You never have to worry about your soul again. It's in his hands. But there are multiple aspects to it. You are now saved. You have been saved. You are being saved. And you will be saved. All of it's going to happen and come to fruition if you've trusted in Jesus Christ. None of it is going to happen if you have rejected Jesus Christ. You have no hope. You're going to lift up your eyes in an eternal hell because you rejected the only Savior that could have helped you and that could have gotten you out of this, and you didn't want anything to do with him. All right now, I'll just read these out to you. You can write them down if you take a notes or, or turn there and read them later. But Romans 1, 16 and 17 gives us, again, the power of God unto salvation, and the gospel is the key to that. And failure to enter through this door will be disastrous. But then in Romans 10, look at Romans 10 real fast, since we're already in Romans. Let's just turn there and read that real fast. And um, but two more stops. We'll, do, we'll read Romans 10, then we'll look at Romans 13 real fast. I, I lied to you. Sorry. I'm a sinner. God said for, yeah, let God be true, but every man a liar, even me. You're probably shocked to learn that. I know Miss Kathleen's shocked to learn that. My great-grandmother says I'm an angel, or she said she's gone now. You're entertaining angels unawares and didn't even know it. Romans 10, look at verses 9 and 10. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Have you done that? Have you trusted in Jesus Christ? Have you called upon the name of Jesus Christ for the salvation of your soul? If you have, you will be saved. Verse 10, for with the heart, the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. This is the problem that we have. People, to shut you up, will say, okay, I believe. But if it didn't come from the heart, it was, you're, it's just empty words that mean nothing. It's just babble. It, 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 in order to get from lost to righteousness, lost to salvation, it's not enough to just confess it. It has to be from a believing heart. The Bible says, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Whatever's coming out of your mouth is coming from your heart. 
Oftentimes, people accidentally let something out. And so, I didn't mean to say that. Yes, you did. Or you, maybe you didn't mean to say it in front of whoever you said it in front of, but, but something in your heart slipped out, and it wasn't good. <laughs> Whatever is it from the heart, man believeth, and then with the mouth, confession is made. Look at Romans 13, though. This is very interesting. Romans 13, verses 10 and 11, and we'll, we'll finish here. I promise this time. Verse 10, love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law, and that, knowing the time, that now is high time to awake out of sleep. Now listen to this. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Time is running out. Now when will that be? Is it a thousand years? Is it five minutes? It could be either one. We could, we could start walking back there to eat lunch together and that trump could sound and the Lord Jesus Christ call us up to meet him in the air. And if that happens, it's over for you if you're not saved. You'll stay here and go through the tribulation and suffer under the wrath of God and then still die and go to hell. But having trusted in Jesus Christ... You get to go and meet him in the air and spend eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ wherever he is and whatever he's doing and enjoy an inheritance that belongs to him but that he wants to share with us. And for what reason? What, what did I do that was so wonderful God said, I just want to give you part of my inheritance in heaven? Nothing. I trusted in Jesus. That's it. There's nothing else. There's no other way. And that is the requirement. And so I, I would not leave here today. Let's, let's, before we go, I, I want to sing a song together. And if, if you're not saved and you want to be saved, now would be a good time to come up here and talk to somebody. And, and so this is an opportunity. If you would like to know more, understand more, um, if you're saved and... and um, you need to get some things right with God. If you're not saved and you want to trust in Jesus Christ, now would be a good time to, to come down to the altar and talk to somebody. And don't make the mistake of leaving here without getting this settled. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can learn more about our ministry by visiting www.plenteousredemption.com. You can hear more Plenteous Redemption podcast audio at www.plenteousredemption.media. Please comment below if this podcast has been a help to you. Also, inform us of future topics that would interest you. Thank you again for listening to the Plenteous Redemption podcast.